Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying, Chuck. Oh, hey, you man. got it. I'm done. I'm all over the dying. Stop dying, Mike, Mart. Well, now I will. Of, what are you going to die of? It's so I much don't know. death. Fuck. There's an asteroid coming to us this later this month. You know, it's going to pass within <laughs> yeah, like three the locusts are the locusts are <laughs> already around, aren't they? <laughs> you know, I was just telling Chuck, I was just telling Chuck that there's a, a reviews on uh, on Apple the podcast things, and they're all like, you know, Bob is great. You know, man, I really love your podcast, Bob. And then this one guy's like, these guys are adults. I can't believe it. They talk- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were adult, yeah. were adulting. Yeah, so uh, um, you know you're gonna get one, but it is <laughs> you know the well, you know most most people are stupid. That's I just start right yeah. there. PT Barnum, brother, you're quoting PT Barnum. No, well that, but I mean Dr. Drew Pinsky. I mean he doesn't talk about it too much in public, but he's the one that taught me. Like you know, if you if you take the average IQ in America is a hundred, okay, that seems all right. Like hundreds, you know, not an imbecile but it's not like a genius either but 100 but so you're always thinking and china's like 108 so you're thinking like well chinese people are a little smarter but not that much smarter but what you got to understand and this is it explains trumpism it explains the max the masked singer it explains wrestling it explains everything there are a huge portion of the population that is 130 and above, meaning, you know, very intelligent. And to average out at 100, Chuck, that means there's a lot of people at 60 and 70. And I think that's me because I watch The Masked Singer. And <laughs> I do. I, and I like it. And I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take I'm going to stand by that. Well, here's the thing about the mass singer. Sydney <laughs> is obsessed with it, Chuck. So you have a peer there. She's three and a half years old. My nine-year-old, my nine-year-old loves it. <laughs> but, but here's the weird thing about it. So when, the, like, we can go back and watch last season, we can see who you can fast forward and see who it was. Right? She doesn't like that at all. She likes the suspense. She likes the delays. Uh huh. The commercials. She likes the guessing and the fake guessing. Instead of me, I just want to know who the fuck is that under that mask? <laughs> <laughs> I guess impatience comes with a high IQ because uh, uh, slow people can stew for a week too. You but know, I mean, there's another thing: the celebration of ignorance in America. Like my ignorance is equal to your knowledge and wisdom. That that's been going on for 15 years. Do you know, it's not. It, you shouldn't feel ashamed that you're intelligent. Just like I don't think you should feel ashamed that you're successful. But this society wants to, you know, say successful people, rich people are bad and evil. That's what liberals say. And then what liberals say about Trumpers is, oh, they're stupid and whatever, like that they're so elite and intelligent. It's just facts. Just so like what you're dealing with coronavirus, just facts. If you're old, you're probably going to die if you get it. If you put on a ventilator, you have an 80% chance of dying. So those really? are just facts. You cannot like facts, and we live in a post-fact world. But the fact is there are a lot of intelligent people and a lot of not-so-intelligent people. 
So what do you have? So that, and in my opinion, that guy who left that review is a non-intelligent person. (laughs) (laughs) Then what do you have to be to be okay then? If, If you can't be successful or have money and be okay, and you can't be smart and be okay, and you can't be stupid and be okay... What do you have to be like lukewarm and boring as fuck? What what is what is okay? I don't well everybody from their vantage points is miserable. Like I'm not. I just play miserable on podcasts. Like my day <laughs> my day is fine. <laughs> I was telling somebody, you know, we might be 3 months away from bankruptcy. I don't care. I've had like 18 lives. I'm, I'll have a 19th one. Yeah. It, yeah. It's it's attitude is what's wrong with this country. It's just clinging to to tribe instead of like you know you'll get we'll get through it or I'll die one or the other. It's not that big of a deal. Right. That's what AA. That's what AA taught me. Nothing is a big deal. Your sponsor is right. gonna die. Say goodbye to them. Hold their hand. Love them. Cry. Grieve. And you'll be okay. And then one day it'll be your turn to die. That's right. how, that's how I was taught this. This like this is how the world works. If you want a millennial version of how the world works where nobody dies and you always get whatever you want and everything is just and everything is perfect in the way you want it, then you're going to be fucking miserable. And that's why 90% of this country is fucking miserable. Right, right. No, I, I, I totally, I couldn't, dang it, I hate agreeing with you. Um, <laughs> I know, because the, the tension <laughs> is the Orange County LA tension. Come on, Chuck, agree with me. <laughs> I, I I would like to fight you more about that too, but I just don't have it. You know, but the, the idea that you know it, it, you, it, beat, you beat it out of him, Bob. Like like no, but I, the idea of you know it doesn't say financial insecurity will leave us. It says fear of financial yeah, insecurity. Insecurity, like you'll just have to adjust. And it's basically Here's an interesting honesty. Somebody was saying to me the other day, Chuck, and I don't know if you feel this way. I'm sure Mike in his core feels this way. But somebody said, wouldn't it be so sad if someone, if, you know, if your, if your uh, best friend died or something, right? And I said, yeah, it would be devastating. But it'd be way worse if I died. I'm, I'm more <laughs> concerned about me dying. <laughs> God dang it. You know, but oh people think of themselves as so benevolent, you know, like, oh, my gosh, I'm just so concerned with everybody else's pain and suffering. No, I'm mostly concerned with me not dying. You know, that, that was the coolest thing Genesis uh, Peoridge said about dying because they knew they were dying. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid of dying, but I'm going to miss life. It's been interesting. Yeah, life is badass. You know, so, so anyways, we come on here and we act like juvenile delinquents, but we're trying to get a point across to, to a, a, like this person who left the review knows no has no idea of what my intention is and they're not they're not concerned about it there are some 26 year old heroin addicts that are going to die if they don't cling to sobriety and so you know i feel like us dopey dave and chris before he passed away there's this new generation of of communicators about recovery that are not boring and stupid and oh you know jesus walked down the beach and there was two footsteps and now there's one and we're so lucky to be sober like that <laughs> shit makes me want to throw up but yeah but, but but all of us i think at one point did fall in love or at least become obsessed with 12 steps and that does force you to grow up 
Yeah, but 12 steps aren't as boring as the shitty recovery bullshit that they try to advertise it with. The feel good. Yeah, the feel good. Every, you know, you know, all the sayings they have on Twitter. That's what really got me. Like, if I was 21 years old, I would never stop throwing up in relation to wanting to be sober. Like, (laughs) fuck these people. It's like worse. Their Hallmark cards at Walmart are more genuine and authentic than these recovery websites <laughs> they are maybe, maybe we need to start one well no this is it because i'm too lazy to like i don't know technology we're just talking but this you know is the sobriety this is sobriety yeah. kids uh, and but it'd be cool to see a page that just said like suck it up buttercup we don't have an end date <laughs> you know mike you might have just gotten mike more work Mike, there should be a, a Don't Die podcast, like, you know, Twitter utterances every day, day daily meditations. Like, stop whining, you fucking pussy. <laughs> <laughs> no, Maybe now not. you can't say that, though. That's politically incorrect. <laughs> but yeah. balancing between the bullshit of recovery and political correctness and all the, you know, like, how can you say anything? And some asshole's going to... Just think of this. I've never written a review about fucking anything. I don't give a fuck. Those when I buy something from eBay, they always email you like, send a good review. Like, fuck you. I bought your shit. I don't owe you anything. You know, I I do do those, but it just says I, I always write as promised, delivered on time. <laughs> That's it. Right. Product was as but, promised, but Chuck, delivered you know on what time. I'm saying though, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you did like this guy. <laughs> Listened to this podcast and thought he was so fucking important. He went on <laughs> iTunes and left a fucking review of a fucking podcast. What an asshole. He probably doesn't even laugh at poop jokes and stuff. And when you say wiener, he probably so, doesn't so even you laugh. Understand. No, but what is it? Up. You know, Chuck and I work in the mental health field. I can tell you what it is. It's narcissism based on nothing. That guy's got a fucking Facebook account and thinks people listen to him. The, the thing that the social media has created this, this self-importance to in fucking people. I look at it like I, you know, cause I'm, I'm going around, you know, trying to get our content out. So I look at it and like, there's these, this guy wrote me today, like, fuck you about Bernie Sanders, blah, blah, blah. And I go on his thing, I look at his shit, and like six people like his shit. Six. <laughs> yeah. Six. But, but he, he thinks that his opinion fucking matters. But he thinks it's 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 just, these are teeny tiny little, uh, what, what the fuck was that guy's name? Mark Chapman? They're a little like if I shoot John yeah, Lennon, yeah, I'll be Mark somebody. David Chapman, the guy that killed John Lennon. Right. Yep. And, yep. They're just there's a billion of them. But they're teeny tiny little ones. They're not. So it's like if I attack somebody, other people might go look at my thing, and I might get some attention that way. And it is so easy to be a critic, and so hard to put out any content of any sort. Yeah. There you, know, you go. Chuck, that's the second time in 20 minutes we've agreed this can't go on. Oh, God. Let's maybe. talk about Orange <laughs> County Jesus Freaks for a second. I don't think there's <laughs> any left. I heard, you know what's interesting? That woman that won the congressional seat in Irvine, she's a fucking, she's a lefty, communist, atheist, and she is badass. Did you see her on the, on the, 
uh, what was it? I was on, she's on the uh, means, Ways and Means Committee. She's the, she's the freshman congresswoman from Irvine. No, you, I'm not familiar. She knows her shit. This woman knows her shit. And she's from Orange County. It's changed my whole perspective. Of well, I'm telling you, we're all, we're all, we're all throwing the God away and um, leaning towards <laughs> communism. We're, you don't have to throw the God away. Just can't you get more structure <laughs> than some guy that looks like he has he's used car salesman by on the weekdays and he's a preacher on Sunday and in a parking lot in Irvine? We've all we've all gone Bill Callahan and we're putting God on the shelf. You know, Chrissy and I were talking the other day, like what I was like in high school and college. I was pretty much the same, but I did follow trends. So when I was 17, all the cool girls at Marina High School kind of become born again. Like that's 1978. Born again Christianity was just hitting the streets. Oh, it was huge. Right? Yeah. It was big, especially in HB. Mike, you remember? So yes. did you go to Calvary Chapel then Dude, on Saturday uh, nights and see the music? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we have there to was... talk about that because yeah, I went to I went to Calvary Chapel. <laughs> yes, I, <did> <laughs> I have to say though, it was in high school and I was taking like two hits of acid and going to school yeah, every day. I was, drink, I was <laughs> drinking gin and tonic, but but it was just because these girls were becoming born again Christian, and right. this guy and this guy in the band the Popsicles, he became born again. So then I was kind of his little minion. So then I became born again. And then I started going to that church. So you, we were all three at that church, but check your way. Yes. I was younger. Yeah, no, that, that, you know, there were some, like, I would go see, like, Lifesavers were a fun band to see. And yeah, it was, it was just cool because it was all young people and it was cool. But it, it was a movement. It was a youth movement. And to tell you the truth, the message wasn't nearly as important to me as it was to be out hanging out with a bunch of kids. And they weren't judgmental on the way people looked. That's what was cool. Yeah. And so that was how tribes used to work, where it was more inclusive and more and wider in variety. Because because. I really, I would tell them, like, we would do this prayer circle, and you'd close your eyes, and everybody would be praying for you to see Jesus or whatever, and I would never see it, and I would feel so ashamed of myself that I couldn't get to wherever they were getting. I had too much atheism in my head, because my mom was an atheist, so I grew up kind of atheist, so... I, I remember feeling, and they wanted me so to see Jesus, and I and I wanted to see Jesus, but I just never did. That would have been great if you would have said, "I just did," and he's black. And I got a picture. <laughs> I got a picture. What are you gonna do now? <laughs> so I became born again Christian in high school. Then I go to Golden West College, which is in the belly of the beast of fucking you know Orange County, you know conservatism. And I fell in with this crowd of like lefty communist teachers, and two of them. One was uh, Robin Matthews, his name was. He had a big Rick Rubin beard. And then this other guy that ran the newspaper, and they were radicals. And then there was a radical group on campus in Orange County in 1979, the Young Communists of America group at Golden West College. Think about that. In 1979. Hmm. So I go from born-again Christian in 78 to communist in 79. Why do you think this is, Chuck? 
You, I don't know, because there were girls. Girls, exactly. <laughs> 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 and girls with hair under their arms, which was just oh yes. God. Yes, I like it when it's accidental, not on purpose. Well, anyway, so then, then I get in that. And then I moved to Los Angeles in 1980. And then uh, homosexuality was very popular. So then I became that. Not a lot of girls in that. There was no girls in that by yeah. chance, Chuck. So it's not <laughs> like I'm, it's not like I'm a, you know, I'm not a, what is it called? A, a misogynist. I went completely the other way. So I was very easily influenced is what I'm saying. So I'm sympathetic to people that are very easily influenced. But to be influenced by ignorance is another thing. When you think about what was I, what was I gravitating towards? Pe- things that were pretty solid and well-founded, like Christianity, Christian young people's movement, communism, socialism, what, what later would... All those people that were in the communist, the young people's young people, communists of America group are basically Bernie Saunders people today. They're the old people at the Bernie Saunders thing. Right. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense. So Christianity, communism, gay. Look at how popular gay is now, Chuck. I was I was in the ground floor of that. You were you were at the forefront. You were, <laughs> you know, everybody that can stand up and be gay today owes uh, owes you a debt of gratitude. So my my point is, how many groups have we offended in five minutes? Uh, Hundreds of different Christian groups. They're all going to hate me because I'm talking so so matter of factly about my Christian experience. It's just my personal experience. They can't just say, oh, that guy's a whack job. Who cares what he thinks? They're going to have to attack me now, Chuck. Attack oh, good. me. Because what? I've somehow slighted them in some way. Right? Mm. Exactly. That sounds like, yeah, that sounds like their problem, doesn't it? And, and, well, I'm just showing how the society works. It's so, you know, it's so on top of each other, jumping on it down each other's throats and hypercriticality and, and just so, what do you think it is, Chuck? You're a better therapist than me. No, what, what is not, causing I, all this? I just want to say criticality. That's a great word. Are you kidding well, me? That's what it is. <laughs> criticality. And you not said only it, is it phenomenal. criticality, it's hypercriticality. Hypercriticality. Yeah, I, I really like that. But isn't it that people are listening to this podcast just to find something offensive to them so they can complain about it? Well, I, I love that when people when people do that. It's just like they they'll go to like say your page. They I I know you're you're lean. I know you're you're slant. For me to go to your page or look up your podcast and be angry with you is it reminds me of that Dave Chappelle thing where he says if you're offended, remember you clicked on my face. You know, it's <laughs> it, it, it's it's you know it's your place. And you have you can say and do whatever you want. If I don't like it, I just keep scrolling. But other people like to pick a fight, and they like to go out of their way to find people they can disagree with. It seems so. What is the psychological motivation of that? Is what I'm saying. What what drives that in the person's personality or character? Trauma. Trauma and some sort of uh, it. The antisocial, not in the oppositional defiance disorder, but in the. Uh, antisocial, um, like personality disorder, where they feel so much less than. And they are, they are the rule enforcers also. Yeah. What is uh, that? For Narcissism. everybody. It's narcissism. 
for everybody. I, w- I was watching this guy, uh, Bert Kreischer or whatever. He has a, yeah, I know that guy. Did you see his thing where he was talking about he would go in and make a joke with this guy that worked at the um, at the coffee shop? And it was, a, it was a black guy that worked at the coffee shop. And he goes, you know, he goes, how do you want your coffee? And he goes, I want it thugged out. And the guy laughed. So every day he had to come up with a new joke. And he, he'd go, how do you want your coffee? And he goes, oh, I don't want it to know it's dad. You know, and <laughs> and and there was a and there was an old lady behind him who said, "How dare you say that?" And she and he goes, "This is the problem. She didn't know we had a relationship that we understood that this guy appreciated my sense of humor and that we had we had a relationship and we were sharing a moment and it was between us. But she's going to get offended for him, and that's one of the major problems today, right now." And, and it goes back to like this thing I was reading the other day where it was talking about the problem with our this generation now is that we have feelings about our feelings. I feel sad, but I don't feel that I should. What? Right. Just be it's- sad and move on. Just be happy and move on. I'm happy, but I know I really shouldn't be. What? Feelings well, about- Yeah. Well, that's just what what I call psychobabble. That's just like nobody gives a fuck what you feel. Give me a break. And nobody cares what you think. Like, I, I don't know. I just was treated this way and it worked for me. It kept me humble. It kept me wanting to be excellent, right? Cri- you know, constructive criticism makes you want to be excellent. The truth makes you want to kind of have knowledge and, and insight, right? The first time Gloria Scott told me nobody gives a fuck what I think, I was like, they really don't. I've suspected that all along, but I've just been going with this idea that people cared what I thought, and in fact, they don't. And no. you know, maybe you can find a few thousand people to listen to a podcast that'll agree with you, you know, a third of the time. But I mean, for the most part, people don't give a fuck. They care oh. about themselves and what they're going through. And right now, more than ever, this coronavirus thing. Yesterday and today. I got more instant messages, more emails, more text messages, more phone calls, especially today, about people that are finally cracking. They're they're finally like it was they were okay and joking around five, four or five days ago. And today, for some reason, it was just enough is enough. They you know what I mean? They want out, <laughs> they they want a divorce, they want to they're talking about separating. So one friend of mine's talking about separating after. After this, so you can't even divorce right now. You got to be with the person who you want to leave. <laughs> oh my God. Are they pausing divorces right now? <laughs> yeah, they're pausing them until after the, after the, uh, the curve comes down. Yeah, exactly. the courts, yeah, the courts aren't open. People I know that got arrested like in, in March don't even have court dates. Yeah, it's crazy. So, so somehow, and I, I, you know, and I, I reassured them, like, you know, nothing has changed since four days ago. Nothing. Your perception of it has changed. So what's up with that? And then I don't let my foot off the gas like other people do these days. I say, dude, this is probably going to be like this for another month or month and a half. So you better fucking buck up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. like, oh, it's just going to be a couple more days, and I'm sure you'll feel differently about her after this. Like, I don't know, but I know right now you got two kids, and you got to fucking buck up. Yeah, 
This is where you, you find out a lot about a lot of people. My people are, you know. This is, but a, great, the, this is a great time to learn backgammon. I learned yeah, how to backgammon play, or I cribbage. How to play backgammon. Cribbage, chess. You can play chess all over the world on the internet. Um, well, it's also a great time to do books, man. I've been going nuts. I've been getting through books like nobody's business. Well, here's another interesting thing about the observations. I've noticed that. Um, and I don't, here's an interesting thing. And this was a discussion yesterday. I don't notice it so much about myself, but I do notice it about Elvis and Chrissy, how much they're on their fucking phones. It's starting to bother me. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's funny. Cause oh, Amy fuck. just said that the other day, she just goes, you know what? I'm really on my phone a lot more than I'd like to be. And I said, well, give yourself a break right now. You'll get sick of it and it'll dwindle. You know, God, it, how annoying are you, Chuck? And then you go and read a book, right? Oh, uh, I like I like books. <laughs> it, it's it's like escapism. She's, she's, to a, say. she's living with Buddha, Mike. Oh my God! Oh, just grab a good <laughs> book. <and laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Why I've, don't you just read some literature? I've got the belly. That's about oh, it. I love you, you Chuck. Know. You know that, brother. Oh, you know what? I haven't read know. any books, but I got two books for Chrissy to read. <laughs> <laughs> how, how to get off the phone and i because that that quote that i put out by carl sagan that was from the 90s i bought that book and i started reading it it's pretty heavy shit pretty negative so i i didn't think i should intake it all at once since i'm so negative to begin with just reinforces all my beliefs you know what i mean that extreme capitalism is evil it is evil and you know, not that capitalism is evil, but this extreme version that we're suffering under in America is evil. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of people except for billionaires that would argue that. But they, but the, but the peons and the people with no money and not, don't have $400 in their bank accounts choose sides of which billionaire class they want to back or Buffett and Gates or the Koch brothers or Trump. You know, like, why are we choosing sides? We've got to change this system and say, this is too vulgar. This is too gross that a CEO makes a thousand times more money than, than the people that work for him. When my dad ran a company in the, in the 60s and 70s, the CEO or the owner of a company made about 10 times what the employees made. Now they make a thousand times more. Oh, yeah. Well, don't I do. mean, that's just vulgar. It's not deserved. It's gross. It has to change. But as long as people who have no money keep supporting, yeah, I like this billionaire better than that billionaire. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's billionaire against billionaire. It's, it's, it's Gates against Trump's. Well, have you heard the real wacky conspiracies about Gates and world domination and oh, all this? Yeah, with, the, with the, with the, uh, what is it? With the, uh, uh, the cabal vaccines with the vaccines that shit's called what yeah whatever it is like there's like it, I, I got it is the cabal the cute the q people and all that stuff and how but I, you know that you don't have to i tried i had people that were trying to get me to to look at that stuff and then i look at it and it's just like you know what we need so there needs to be some research because i guess well, no, there's, there's they say certain things that aren't true so i know about my little place in the world I know about drug treatment. I know about drugs. I know about healthcare, right? So right off the bat, the leader of it, the guy that supposedly invented email, have you seen his all his stuff? No. 
Well, he's a big anti-vaxxer and world domination by Gates and Buffett and all these guys. So right off the bat, he says something that is absolutely 100% not true. And he says it at the beginning of this interview that's supposedly looking like a Larry King interview or something, but it's just some dumb guy asking him questions on a, against a green screen. So, <laughs> And he says that the pharmaceutical industry is not making the money that it wants or used is used to making. So now they're putting all their money into, they, they're going to make all their trillions of dollars off vaccines. That's not true. The oh biggest money making drug in a, the world right now is an English company called Subutex and Suboxone. They got the <laughs> patent restriction taken off of it in the United States because it's such a wonder drug for curing the opioid crisis. They are going to make, a hundred billion dollars off of it is that how much do they make off of one vaccine for one disease like coronavirus well i know 20 billion 30 billion you're talking about a hundred billion dollars so right off the bat the whole thing about money is just not true vaccines don't make more money than suboxone vaccines are a one-time shot right or annual shot suboxone (laughs) is an oral medicine or or intermuscular medicine that you have to take every day which do you think the drug companies oh, want to sell you and it's expensive it's and expensive as fuck and it's never going to go generic uh, yeah good for them i mean i guess that's just it's so, horrible so when you see all the conspiracy stuff if you just know a little bit about your place whether you know i was talking to some guy from texas today that knows about oil and and fossil fuels like it i'm sure that the 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 conspiracist world is not factually based in fossil fuels industry either they don't they just gloss right over and say things about the fossil fuel industry right yeah, I bet so. Well, it, it's not about they're not trying to create a, a narrative that'll stick or the test of time. I think what these, is their point just to make a little bit of money for themselves, co- spitting out conspiracy theories? Well, there's there's there seems to be a lot of money in it. There seems to be a lot of views, especially right now. There's a lot of people that are sitting home watching these things and you can make a lot of money like that. Maybe not billions. But I mean, but you can make a good living for yourself. I imagine it's pretty. Yeah, yeah. like Alex Jones. Does Alex Jones make money? I don't even know who that is. The guy, oh, yeah, the main guy, do. the yeah. anti Sandy Hook guy. Like, why would you choose that? The most horrific thing that's happened in my lifetime, and you're gonna say it's a hoax. It's like crazy. Like, pick something else. Pick like the military industrial complex. <laughs> don't don't pick little kindergartners that got murdered by some mentally ill kid down the street. It's just sickening. Yeah, but it plays on fears, you know, and it, it that's the whole thing. The whole fear mongering works on every level, doesn't it? Yeah. And here's the thing that started scaring me. So now let's shift gears a little bit. John Prime. I saw I heard John Prime when I was 14 years old. Uh, Maggie Yakel, a girl that lived in my neighborhood, I think had the record. And you know, it came out in 71, but I heard it in 75. And I heard Paradise, it's called. Mama, won't you take me down to Muhlenberg County, down by the Green River where Paradise lay? I'm sorry, my son. Well, you're too late in asking, Mr. Brown, the coal mine is all dead away. And, right, Mike? You know that song, Paradise? Yes, Isn't it called Paradise? It's yep. one of the most beautiful songs ever. 
And I heard it when I was 14 years old, when I was like right in the middle of my Aerosmith Led Zeppelin phase. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like I knew a little bit about Bob Dylan from, from the late 60s when I was like eight or nine or 10. But John Prine has been with me my whole life. And he's lived through so much. He was a mailman before he was a musician. He didn't even start writing songs <laughs> until he was 24 years old. And like, yeah, he was in and, and and one it, of the first songs he wrote was that was that uh, Sam Stone, which is a song about the, the, the uh, junkie that comes yeah, there's home from no Vietnam. better song about Yo, that's a, history. That, that's, that has the line. There's a hole in daddy's arm where, where all, all the money goes. goes. Jesus, Jesus died, died for something. Died for nothing, I suppose. I suppose. Right. So, so John Prine lives this whole magnificent, amazing, cocaine-addled seventy late seventies rock and roll failure, greatest poet other than Dylan in America, and then he dies of this stupid fucking COVID nineteen. I think we should just call it Trump the Trump flu. <laughs> like he dies, of, he dies of this thing. Like it's just so sad and stupid and senseless and awful. And then so, so what started scaring me was, you know, I know a little bit about Keith Richards. He's holed up. He's not, he doesn't come in contact with anybody. <laughs> yeah. He's holed up. Keith Richards is a smart motherfucker. But I'm hoping that Bob Dylan is holed up. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Neil Young is holed up. I was. I started thinking about Tom Waits. Tom Waits needs to hold up. All the geniuses <laughs> of America need to hold up in their houses and come in contact with nobody. What do you think, Mike? I don't know. I mean, you know, if uh, your health is declining, I don't know if there's much you can do, you know, if you get it. So, yes. I know. So just, you need to stay, stay away. away until there's a vaccine. Yes. Yeah, but then you can't take it because then you're supporting those drug companies. <laughs> yeah, then and then plus they're saying that the uh, vaccine's going to have a chip in it, you know, a micro chip in it that's going to identify everybody. You know why they don't need to chip people is because we're we're married to these phones. They don't need to chip us. Stupid man. Well, China, just China, where there's way more intelligent people, remember, they just accept that they're being followed by the government and by commercial industry. And they're, it's just out in the open. We know it's happening here, but but we're told, like, you have the rights, net neutrality, you have the rights, they can't tell you. All I know is, I'm going to be very honest here, gentlemen. I was looking for a sexy outfit for my wife a couple of days uh. ago. Uh, all of a sudden, that's outfit. all that comes on my stream. Like all you had to do is say it in the room. Leather outfits. Do you understand? Yeah, they're following you. They follow what you say. They know. So this idea that they got to put chips in you. You're right, Chuck. They already know everything about you and where you are. But the question yeah. is, why do they want to know that? That's that's the paranoia. They don't give a fuck as long as you stay in your it's, house and watch TV and eat yourself to death with Doritos and McDonald's. The fucking powers that be don't care about you. No, we're not important. I'm not important enough at this point. Nobody um, is. Who do they? Who do you think the the power structure has felt a threat from in in our adult lifetime? Martin Luther King, they killed him. Bobby Kennedy, they killed him. 
Malcolm X was killed by his own people. Yeah, um, I, I watched that. That was rough. But 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 who who's been a threat to the who who's been a threat to the power structure in our adult lifetime? No one. No one. So why does the, the paranoid public think that the world is trying to, you know, the powers that be are trying to find where they are and going to arrest them and roll them into jail? As long as they're satisfied paying for their monthly Disneyland fucking app and sitting there doing nothing with their lives and just pontificating on social media, nobody gives a fuck. There's no revolution coming in America. Are you kidding? <laughs> Everybody's so fucking lazy. Do you know what I mean? Right. So why is there this this worry that you know they're they're marking you with chips so they can what what so they can sell <laughs> you more McDonald's hamburgers? I know. Okay. You know if if they're gonna chip me and give me coupons to things I would normally go to, I'm cool. <laughs> that's what the, <laughs> see, you're smart, Chuck. That's what the Chinese say. They say, yeah, track us. We don't care. <laughs> okay. You know I like to buy. Uh, Vinyl records, you're going to give me a deal, I'm there. But really think about who has been a threat to the powers, to the military-industrial complex in this country, to big pharma. Who, is, who has been a threat? Bernie Sanders probably, or Trump, are probably the biggest fears they've had. And, and they just fizzle into nothing because the people are cowards. Well, why, what do you think... Since we're since we're there again, and you posted about it, what about um, what about Bernie not not being the go ahead? Why do you think that they? I just think the Medicare for all was a bad thing. He knew he knew he can't get it passed. He knew it how expensive it is. He knew that no other Western European countries that he keeps trying to compare it to have it. So Americans just need to read just a little bit, or some voice needs to tell them what's going on in France. Yes, they have universal health care. They also have privatized health care. And if you want better health care, you pay a little extra. Uh, companies who want to recruit good employees to their companies offer great health care, better than the universal health care of France. It's the same in Germany. It's the same in Scandinavian countries. This uh, b b Americans are just, the, A, they're so sick and they're always going to the doctor, which in European countries they're not. But... But this, the way that we live and the way that we eat makes us so sick that we're always needing prescriptions and drugs. It's not how it is in other countries. So our healthcare costs are so enormous that a Medicare for all system can't work. Half the people in this country are on three medications. Okay. In Europe, that's unheard of. In Portugal, where everybody likes to talk about, nobody's on fucking five different medications. We are the sickest country in the world. We take half of the world's medicine. We're 5% of the population. So our healthcare costs are <laughs> enormous, and they can't be covered in a Medicare for all system, not Medicare as it exists now. It would be Medicaid for everybody. And Medicare, which is a great program for older people, would not be the same. It would be watered down and cheapened and, and, and made into like a, a hybrid, mutant, miserable version of Medicaid for all. And Bernie Sanders knows this. That's what's just so cheap about it. You know, he wasn't willing to, to really have solutions. And that's why I didn't like his ideas in 2016. I don't like him in 2020. 
somebody that knows healthcare needs to talk about healthcare. We are, we, it's three, four percent of GDP is what it's supposed to be. It's like eight percent of GDP, 10 percent of GDP. Ten, one of every ten dollars in America is spent on prescription drugs and operations and and heart disease and medical things. Nowhere in the in the world is it like that. One out of every dollar paid for healthcare in America, thirty three cents of it goes into arguing about the bill. It employs hundreds of thousands <laughs> yeah. of people. So. So healthcare is not as simple as Bernie saying Medicare for all and all the young people saying, oh, I get something for free. Great. Awesome. Well, and then you can't no. and then you can't say, well, we're going to how are you going to pay for it? Well, we're going to tax the rich. You just can't yeah, say well, that. It, it, yeah, it's just not going to work that way. Plus, it's just never going to work that way. So it was just a lie. And I, don't, I think he's an honest person. I don't know why he was lying the whole time. He knew he couldn't get it passed, for one thing, and he knew that it wouldn't work. But but the idea of a baseline quality universal health care, that's a great idea. And a better accountable uh, privatized insurance is a great idea. Why don't we remove the ability for asshole law firms to sue doctors and hospitals all the time? If we yeah. remove that... Right. Oh, but you know, you know why we don't? Because the Democrats, that's their biggest supporters, trial lawyers, right? So we have a broken, corrupt system, and it's not as simple as Trump or Bernie or I hate Biden. And that's what we've become, this kind of cartoon wrestling version of politics. But I want to talk about music. We need Bob <laughs> Dylan. We need Bob Dylan. Don't we think we need Bob Dylan, Neil Young? I mean, even some of the punk rockers. I, we need John Lydon to stay home. We need no, we don't. to stay home. <laughs> he looks very unhealthy no, John, to me. No, John Lydon can go out. No. <laughs> no, no. Because, because you disagree with him? Oh, my God. <laughs> Fucking asshole. Kill, kill the people Come I disagree on, with. He's know. Johnny on, Rotten. He no, he formed, can go out. Listen, my idea about him, like, it is weird. I don't get it that he's a Trumper, but... He, he shaped my life. It'd be as if, if Joe Strummer lived and he was a Trumper, I would listen to him. Yeah, you know I don't what care. I mean? But, but you feel I'll, that way, I'll but tell then you don't feel... I'll tell you story about Joe. I was with Joe right after 9-11, like a couple weeks after 9-11. And, you know, and my state of mind was, you know, America, you know, all this imperialism in the Middle East, that's what's done this. And he said, he was really drunk, and he went off. He goes... Thelonious, you gotta listen to me. These motherfuckers, these fucking, these fucking Talibani, they fucking, they hate us. They hate rock and roll. They hate gay people. They hate human rights. They hate us. I grew up with them. You, they only understand the boot. We gotta go in there and we gotta fucking take them out. This is Joe Strummer agreeing with George W. Bush what needs <laughs> to happen as a result of 9 11. I lived that. I, I it was at the bike room. I drove home. I was. I stayed up all night going, "What is going on? What is going <laughs> yep. on? How can Joe Strummer be agreeing with George W. Bush and Dick Cheney?" Well, a lot of the a lot of the punk rock idols are are kind of right wing, you know. I mean, like you're saying, <laughs> they are. I mean, look at. Uh, I mean, I love Morrissey's music. His politics are crazy. Chuck, what are his politics? I still can't really understand them. He changes them all the time. 
You're you the go. de facto Smith authority on the Don't Die podcast. Chuck, take it away with Morrissey's politics. Well, there you, I think I think you summed it up, and I not. But the uh, you know he he does change. He does change based on information he gathers. And he's, you know, everybody accuses him of being so right wing, but he is so liberal in his um, in his social standpoints. I mean, how the things he talks about and the things he does, um, sometimes it's in conflict with itself because he stands up against racism and he stands up against bigotry and hatred. Like uh, America is not the world is one of those songs that kind of breaks it down. And it was before Obama. And he was saying, you know, America, you know, you need to, you need to shut the fuck up until you have a president that's black, female or gay. You've got nothing to tell the world. So, I mean, at that time, that was about as liberal as things got. And that was way ahead of the curve. And so I think. But somehow he supports the wall now. He's always been against mixing the races. You know, he's, what? He's, he's always what? said he's always said that that people gather together in their own communities to be with people that they like, that they want to be with. Like, that's why you have Greek communities. That's why you have Chinatown. That's what people. OK, I have to I have to bring in some personal experience with Mr. Uh, Morrissey. When Thelonious Monster fired Mike Mart, he wasn't paying attention too much, Chuck. Yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> he was not. We rehearsed at a place right around the corner from Mike's his apartment, and he rarely came. But when he, you know, when he did come, it wasn't good. It wasn't pretty. <laughs> so Pete decided, you know, Mike's got to go. And I said, well, seems like he's already gone anyway. So I don't think we need to. Do, do we even have to tell him? <laughs> I don't think we have to tell him. We could just, like with Sid Barrett and Pink Floyd. We just won't tell him we're playing anywhere, and he won't know. <laughs> Jesus. That's not so nice. One day, Mike comes down, all eager as a beaver, I don't know why, with an amp, I believe, and starts setting up. Do you remember this, Mike? I don't. When was it? It was on Hoover and Melrose. So, so, and then Pete took him outside, talked to him, and then he, you know how Mike is, but okay, that's fine, okay. So he just takes his amp and walks out. And Pete looks at me and goes, well, that was easy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even remember any of this. I was still using, so I don't really even remember. Yeah, you were in a cocaine psychosis for most of that time period. So what Mike doesn't remember, because he was in cocaine psychosis at any of the times he was in our rehearsal space, was Morrissey was rehearsing right next door. And you would see what I came to call the big head. He has a ginormous head. I don't know if you're aware of it. <laughs> I think you've said that. I think I've When he was thinner, it really looked weird. Now it kind of looks all evened out. But this was 20, this was 30 years ago. It's because his body. Guess ginormous. who his boyfriend was, Chuck? Who? Elvez, a Mexican oh, guy. Really? If people should stick with their races, how come Morrissey's boyfriend is Hispanic? Well, yeah, I mean, I see that's why I don't I don't I don't buy a lot of that. I think, you know, like you, I think he is only on such an exponential level under such a microscope that any every any and everything he does or says is picked apart by multitudes of people. And and I don't I don't think any of us would survive that kind of scrutiny. But what I like is that he just keeps 
keeps moving forward and doesn't engage the people that call him out. He just but he got it. but oh, I dare to say, like but you know, last year he had to cancel shows because there was so much protesting over. I think it was his support of the border wall. Okay, but I mean that's he he writes he's no, written. Was, you know what it was was he said that China he said that the Chinese were a subspecies because they eat pets. You're kidding? No. Well, they must not be very evolved. They are a subspecies because they eat dogs and cats. Can I give the Bob Forrest version of that? I I know it's gross. I've been to Vietnam. It's kind of gross. But if you rise up to your kind of left brain thinking self, like, is it really grosser than eating chickens and pigs? Uh, but he doesn't yeah. eat any animals. He's no, one of those. I, I know he's a, a vegan or whatever. And I, it's I, an I, extreme but, form but, of vegan. They all talk like that. But even he is deciphering between eating a dog or eating a pig. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Yeah, I don't. I don't remember that comment, and I don't know how being pissing off Chinese would shut out an American audience. Yeah, it was in Portland and Seattle, kind of the hotbed of radicalism in America. And he had to cancel his show or he walked off or people were protesting. I don't know. It seemed to me it was something about immigration. So so anyways, does Morrissey need to stay in or not, guys? I, I, I want him around. I want to see what he does next. Okay, so Morrissey needs to stay in. I think Biden <laughs> um, can go out. Sammy I, I, want, Hagar I want Johnny to stay, to stay in. I like Sammy it. Hagar needs to stay in. I love Sammy. I don't know why I'm a Sammy Hagar convert, but I am a Sammy Hagar convert. I love Sammy Hagar. Hey. So, so all of our favorites need to stay in. Now, let's get to some of the people that that we're not so crazy about. Should um, should Celine Dion stay in or not? She she should go shopping. She should go <laughs> shopping in Hunan. <laughs> oh, Chuck. <laughs> But, but so, so because music, that is one thing that I've always felt passionate about. Politics, I can, can take it or leave it and come and go. And I just have an opinion based on whatever facts are in front of me. But music means something. And this John Pine death, somehow I got, I, 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 I keep, everybody keeps equating it to 9-11. So 9-11, I wasn't really that upset about it. Because hey. I kind of expected it, it kind of made sense to me, given our meddling in the Middle East for 40, 50 years. So it was horrible. Two people I know died in it, but but I understood it. And I really was kind of neutral about it. It was horrible, but I wasn't as affected as like Kenny and other friends of mine, like Pete Weiss was angry. Everybody was angry. I wasn't really angry until it was personal. And so what had happened was the Bicycle Thief was supposed to do a European tour starting in the end of October. And we were playing in Sweden, which is where my mom is from and my ancestry is from. And Ingmar Bergman, my favorite guy in the world, this director guy, his play was playing at the opera house that I was playing in, in, in a similar venue that I, and I talked to the promoters and I was going to be able to go on my day off to see the Ingmar Bergman play. And possibly because the bicycle thief is popular in, in Sweden, possibly meet Ingmar Bergman, Ooh. my all time hero. My email address is cries and whispers at hotmail because it's a name of an Ingmar Bergman movie. I love the guy. 
He's the guy that the seventh seal where death is walking on the beach. Everybody's seen that kind of scene. Anyways, so I don't think 9-11 is really going to affect the touring thing. So then all of a sudden, in the middle of October, I start hearing like, gigs are pulling out everybody's nervous you know the gigs are getting canceled and all i kept saying to the booking agent is still we're going to sweden right we're still going to sweden right <laughs> and the swedes aren't aren't pussies they want they're gonna have concerts right and so he kept saying yeah sweden looks solid holland looks solid okay you know so we'll figure it out and whatever so then um I remember Josh Klinghoffer said, I, I don't want to travel. And I was like, okay, well, nothing was going to stop me from meeting Ingmar Bergman, Chuck. Nothing. <laughs> not okay. even Josh Klinghoffer not playing guitar in What's his it? old band. What's it sound like without Josh? <laughs> uh, it sounds like Neil Young. <laughs> so, so, so finally Sweden pulls out. That day, I felt the pain of 9-11. It was like on October 17th or 18th. Because now it was personal. I was fucking pissed. I feel the same way now about this thing that John Prine has died of it. I feel pissed. Oh, now it's, yeah, it's personal now. Now it's personal. Now, what's interesting is I have lost two friends to coronavirus, but I didn't know them that well. I don't know John Prine. Never met him. Right? The now, how do one we get it? How, how died do we... of it? You know, I haven't seen him in years and, to, you know, last time I saw him, I went to a Prince concert with him. So that how long ago was that? Prince been dead a long time. So that <laughs> acquaintance of mine died of this coronavirus, 72 years old. Another guy I know, 64, 65. Um, that scared me, not because it was a friend of mine, but because he's only five years older than me. I was like, holy shit. Right. And then I started trying to explain, like, well, he was a little out of shape. And he, I think he, I told Chrissy, I think he still smokes cigarettes. You know, you're trying to rationalize. <laughs> well, like, yeah, like, when, happen to you. like when people get loaded, you want to find out. So you, you don't have a sponsor, right? You want to go to meetings, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, a sponsor. And, uh, but no, this John Prine thing, I just, I cried. Not even when I found out about it, like the next day, like yesterday. I was just so fucked up. The guy, why is that, Chuck, that certain deaths affect us so much? I know, I remember the day Joe Summer died. I cried like it was as if my mother died, right? Well, and when my mother died, I didn't cry at all. Don't you, th don't you think that music affects some people on a deeper level than others? And because of who we are, we feel a closeness to the people that bring us in. They, they, we don't feel alone in the world when we feel the right song or when something hits us that way. You know, there, there are songs that may not even be good, but they have a place in my heart. And when the person, <clears throat> excuse me, the person that did them it means something whether I've met them or not. I, I, it's just, it's a certain music like is profound, like Cat Stevens, John Prine, the Beach Boys. And there are people though that don't feel that at all about those people. Yeah. About, so I want or Cat about Stevens, any music. But, but let's just make a, I want Cat Stevens, I want Bob Dylan, I want Neil Young, Tom Waits. Stay at home. These rules of stay, uh, shelter in place apply to them way more than the rest of the people. John Lydon, <laughs> it's okay to go out and go shopping. Ted no, Nugent. No, John Lydon needs to stay in Ted Nugent, Ray it's okay. We heard West the virus is over. Ted Nugent, so go out and go shopping, Ted.
Yeah, Ted's not going to stay at home. <laughs> no, you know, and I don't. I don't think it would kill him. So I don't think it would either. Now let's talk about musicians that it won't kill. <laughs> it ain't going to kill Willie Nelson. I'll guarantee you that. No, I. I I don't think anybody's told him he's dead. I think he may have been for a long time. <laughs> Who won't he kill? It ain't going to kill Snoop Dogg. I no. fucking guarantee you that. Nope. Oh, my God. I, you know, I love the um, the stuff that Paul Stanley's doing from home. He's doing yeah. little... He's doing little guitar things and everybody's doing it. I turn I turn on Instagram and it's like the Goo Goo, Do the Goo, Goo Dolls guy was playing in his living room. It was so cool. Dude, yeah. Did you see I, Sammy Hagar doing the circle thing with the with yeah, Jason yeah, yeah. Bonham? With and Jason Bonham jumping. That was rad. doing the boom, doing won't get fooled again. That was that's the one I saw. It was so good. Did yeah. you see the Montrose uh, rock candy I sent you, Mike? Yeah, it was great. That was so great. Yeah. So we should do something. So like our that. heroes need to stay in, and the people that aren't that good as songwriters, you know, take your yeah. chances. Go to Target. Go to Walmart. Oh, I'm going to Target. So, so <laughs> I, I'm not staying completely at home. I went to Target, and I felt bad because uh, this is two nights ago, and everybody was wearing those masks, and I didn't have one. That I asked one of the guys, "Do you have masks for sale?" And he said, "No." And I felt, I said, I, "Well, I feel bad. That I don't have one. Do you have an extra one? I give you like five bucks for." He looked at me, he's like a 22-year-old kid. He looked at me like I was the devil. Like, why are people so, they don't know how bribery <laughs> and tipping works. <laughs> why do they not know that? That's not, know. didn't they know who you were? But he looked at me like, that's illegal, <laughs> sir. You can't do that. Okay, well, you know, just say, I want a mask to protect you, and I'm willing to pay you. To protect you by wearing the mask. Don't and I said a fair price. Wasn't that a fair price, Chuck? Or am I, I way off? Five bucks for one of those cheap 99 cent masks? Uh, I don't even know that they cost 99 cents. I don't I even know how much I wore a mask they cost. at Costco for the first time the other day. I have to. And know. how much do they cost? I was given an uh, N95 mask by a friend a while ago, and I never wore it. And I guess you're not supposed to wear them because they're reserved for the healthcare. Oh workers yeah, healthcare workers. So whatever, man. What am I going to go donate it to the healthcare order? I already, I already had my face in it. If you cared about people, you would, Mike Martin. Well, I don't really <laughs> care about people that much. But, but I want to get back to this point of like people. But the point of. Like when we were kids, if somebody said, I'll give you, I, I, I would have taken my mask off. I said, I'll sell you this one for five bucks. The kid looked at me like, that's, you can't do that, sir. I can't <laughs> give you five dollars. You can't go to the storage room where you got yours and get one. Yeah, you, you needed to ask the junkie with the mask. You could have gotten. <laughs> but here's the thing. Junkies don't have jobs anymore because everybody's urine tested. And here's my point. We say that everyone is equal and everyone's a snowflake and everyone's important. And, and I just disagree. And you can crucify me and whatever. But, but I'm less valuable than a 21-year-old person who's coming into their life and have their whole life ahead of them. If I die, it's not as tragic as a 21-year-old dying. I'm sorry. That's just a moral imperative. It's just the truth. It's it, and everybody's saying like a 91 year old person is as tragic as a 21 year old. No, it's not. It's not. It's sad for that family, but they knew it was coming. If you talk to any 91 year old people, they they will tell you like, you know, I, I've had a great life. It's my time to go. Yeah. 
but 21 year olds dying of oxycontin that's that's just not right it's not and all the kids that are dying of drugs is way more tragic than than what's going on and people say i'm immoral or i'm insensitive or whatever no it's just a fact yeah, if i but- die today i live the greatest life I, it's sad for elvis and sydney and elijah and chrissy and sam and people that love me and you guys but it's not a tragedy like a 20 year old kid dying of drugs before they've even lived before they even have any idea what it's about yeah, you don't know that that person, they may be a fuck up now at 20 years old. You don't know that they're not going to find the cure for cancer. You don't know corona. that they're not going to make some of the greatest art in the world. I guarantee you, if somebody met John Pashante or or Jimmy Page when they were 20 years old, they go, oh, these guys can't even drive a car. Yeah. They changed <laughs> the world. But just, but you, because you never know about young people. And the, the idea that it's just as tragic, I hear it said all the time. You know who loves saying it? That Chris guy on CNN. Every life is valuable. Well, yeah, it's valuable to the people who value that life. But, it's, but the tragedy of young people dying is a special kind of, of unfair tragedy. And, and that's why we've been talking for five years or four years on this podcast. 20-year-olds are dying in the prime of their health and life. 90,000 of them, 80,000 of them, 70,000 of them, 60,000 of them, 40,000 of them, 50,000 of them. And it doesn't seem to mean anything to anybody but us. Yeah, well, that's why we do what we do. So that's why we do this podcast, asshole, that wrote the bad review on my <laughs> It all comes back to that. <laughs> I, I want... I want to find it. I want to find his name and I want to get it tattooed on me because (laughs) right when I think I, I, you know, right when I think we've got nothing left to talk about, I think, fuck that guy. We should do this. (laughs) And I'm going to talk about wieners. Wieners. That's right. See, you can talk about wieners, Chuck, with that episode. You talked about, you talked about touching people's wieners. (laughs) Well, well, well. (laughs) Because you say it like it's a bad thing. Now um, the guy, the guy is going nuts. Now he's going really. I was listening to them right up until the wiener touching joke. <laughs> you did, Mike. You're going to have to throw that thing that Noodle sent me in there. I will. I yeah, will. I cracked up. I cracked so up. So here's the question I want to ask Noodles, and I, because when you sent that today, we should have him on next episode. All right. See you guys later. Bye. That's all good. Ted Nugent, it's okay to go out shopping. <laughs> go ahead. It's, it's, it's not going to die. The coronavirus is all over, Ted. Unstoppable. Dude, I love Ted Nugent. I, you know, I, I know. Stranglehold, Stormtroopers going to get ready. Get ready. Stormtroopers going to get ready. When they sweep and It's one of the worst songs ever How written. about Free For All? When in doubt, I'll whip it out. I got me a rock and roll band. It's a free for all. <laughs>